Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Day two is in the books. George is fanning around with his bike again, but... To be expected, he's George Belcher, I'm James Gray, this is the Love Tennis Podcast, Podlet, the second thereof. Um, it's weirdly for us a similar time finish to yesterday, but uh, as late a finish as we've had at Wimbledon so far. Uh, the 11 o'clock curfew going down like a bag of cold sick on number one court as Nick Kyrgios and Ugo were poised at 3-3 in a fascinating fifth set. I say fascinating, George. He's just a serve bot 3000 with a personality, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he certainly uh, brings things to life, though, doesn't he, compared to the likes of uh, John, isn't um, it? Mean, I mean, honestly, there are like there are mummies that bring things more to life than John is, so it's not really saying much, but yes, you're absolutely right. Um, I kind of thought it was a match that we missed the first couple of sets of because, well, the big story of the day, of course, was. Serena Williams going down on centre court, uh, injuring herself, taking an MTO, trying to play through it, and then in very sad scenes, being forced off court by injury, having played or completed, I should say, just six games uh, in her first round match against Aleksandra Sasnovic, who we mentioned at about the same point last night. George, I'm going to give you my honest opinion on this. Serena looked injured for the moment she walked out on court. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually wasn't watching the match. I, I can't really speak to her condition to start with, but from what uh, my colleague was saying who was covering the match for us, you know, he, he messaged me straight away being like, oh, Serena's not moving very well here. Um, saw her obviously go off court for that MTO, which seemed as if it came after a pretty innocuous moment. It was, it was a weird little sort of step back that didn't quite work out. It was very strange and actually she said in her statement afterwards how heartbroken she was to do it and how much she loves playing on centre court and that she said she'd injured her leg. Um, I had it put to me by a very good journalist who spent many years watching Serena that it looked like she'd injured a groin or something just because of the type of movement that it was. I've heard uh, left ankle, left knee. <laughs> Right hamstring. And of course the hip is connected to everything, yeah. <laughs> as we well know. So who knows? I mean, I suppose it's not really relevant what sort of injury it is. It's relevant that 
one of the big superstars of the women's game, who frankly we've already lost two of in Osaka and Halep, is out of Wimbledon and the already wide open lady singles, as it's becoming known, uh, is even wider open. And she was a popular fantasy pick as well, which uh, I know we shouldn't bring everything back to, but... You know, no, no, it's huge. I didn't, huge. I didn't pick her song. I didn't, I'm delighted. Uh, from a, yeah, from a sort as of... As a man who lost his men's qualifier today as well. I'll lose my head. But... Uh, yes. That's, uh, you had Artur Rinderknecht, I believe. I did, yeah. At uh, least Federer got through. That was looking pretty ropey as well. Yeah, let's talk about Federer. I mean, I watched the first set on centre and then had to dive down because I was otherwise engaged between 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock. Um, <laughs> I think why. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, he played really poorly in that first set. Yeah and then nicked it, just, you know, Manorino threw a bad game at 4-5 and, and Federer nicked the first set. And really, he didn't play much of his best tennis. There were points in the middle of the match where it was that really familiar, hyper-aggressive Roger and, you know, it was lots of plus-one winners, but for the most part, it was Shanksville. Yeah, funnily enough, he was kind of getting going a little bit in the fourth, a bit more, um, you know, he spoke about it himself, he was saying he was trying to shorten those points, it was coming to the net a bit more. He looked a little bit more, in, I wouldn't go for as far as to say control. I think that was going to be a very nervy, tense fifth set if we got there, but he, he was certainly playing Roger, tense, nervy, yeah. you don't say. Um, but what, you know, what a shame for Manorino, and obviously it all came, one change of direction, 4-2 in, uh, in the fourth set. Did his knee, he says, uh, kind of sprained knee, he thinks he's done before. Um, and, you know, then there's been this, big inquest into whether the courts are too slippy and you know there's I mean, a lot of drama Wimbledon are defending it just saying it was, it's a very wet championship and it's always slippy but uh you know guys like Murray Federer we saw Djokovic go down about four times in his first match uh Djokovic goes down a lot like like let's be honest Djokovic goes down on clay I feel like I've seen Djokovic rolling around the clay more than usual this year so I, and he is a great mover on grass and I suppose that does say something but also I think if you went back and looked at first weeks especially slightly moist first weeks and that is an understatement you know given that there are some guys who were in Monday first round matches who still haven't finished tonight um, I don't think it's that surprising I don't really think that there will be a big inquest and it will run and run because I guarantee you that breakfast television tomorrow will feature TV hosts who have previously known next to nothing about Wimbledon other than the price of a pellet of strawberries discussing exactly how much grass should be on a court on the second day of Wimbledon. I, I had a great tweet earlier, aimed at, uh, not aimed at me but just, you know, mentioning me that, uh, that said, shame on you Wimbledon letting these legends play on this dangerously slippy grass. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, yeah. it's hard to say, isn't it? But I mean, the, the guy clearly someone like Murray is thinking it's slippier than usual. But I suppose two-year absence, maybe. Yeah, maybe they forgot him. But it is rainy as well. You know, that, that is going to have an impact. So yeah, I, I, th I think it's grass, and that's kind of you know, if if you're going to fall over, you actually shouldn't push. And that's kind of Federer sort of talked about it in his press conference, where he said, you know, it's about confidence and understanding the surface and knowing when to push. And I'm not blaming Serena for her injury but that is the skill of playing on grass we often talk with Calvin about how the surface is so slow these days that the actual tennis you play is largely the same but it's actually about moving on the grass that is the skill and you know that's why someone like Murray has done so well on it because he understands how to move on it what I think you're saying here James <laughs> uh oh 
is that Benoit Paire wasn't moving in his fifth set because he knew how dangerous the grass was. In his third set, excuse me. Yes, I was Losing say. six love. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, we've had some great tanks over the last couple of weeks. Alexander Bublik, um, Nikolas Bazalashvili, and the Benoit Paire tank. His match, of course, was held over for Monday. He was two sets down to Diego Schwartzman. He Hardly won... known to be the greatest grass court player on earth, I may add. No. And he, uh, he won five points in the third set. In, and was he picked up a, an incredibly well-earned, I should say, uh, violate, code violation for lack of effort, yeah. which I, I think uh, no one... I mean, watch it. You know, he, he dumps two forehands <laughs> while love five down into the net. That's a and great cry from the crowd, wasn't there? You're wasting everyone's time, <laughs> which is when he sat down and he said to the umpire, I can't remember who it was now, um, um, was it Mohamed Leani? Yeah, he's an excellent umpire, to be fair, and you can see why they put him on Budweiser Pairs match. And he, he said, how many, how many forehands did I miss into the net yesterday? Which I actually thought wasn't a bad point. Like, he was returning like a drain yesterday. So maybe, maybe Benoit was right. Anyway, he's out now, which you'll be delighted about. Cause... It's a huge shock, obviously. <laughs> yeah, massive. Two, uh, what is it, two wins in 19 matches this year? Yeah, something like that. He's not enjoying the bubble, to say the least. And he mentioned it in his post-match as well. Uh, Diego Schwartzman, by the way, now plays Liam Brody, uh, the British left-hander. He's who... not a chance for Brody. Well, you did say that yesterday, and you said it earlier today. I remain unconvinced, but, you know, best of luck to Liam. I, I know he will love being back on that stage for the first time in six years. So, yeah, give it all he's got, I'm sure. There's lots of other matches I want to talk about very quickly because we are approaching Southfield Station. Uh, and it is very late, again. And it is very late. And it will be even later when I'm editing all this crap out. Um, uh, Novak Djokovic, Kevin Anderson on centre court gives me... PTSD for the years when Kevin Anderson would find himself up against the likes of John Isner in the latter stages of Wimbledon and I'd have to watch it. Um, Novak Djokovic is serving very big at the moment as well. There's a real danger that the first match on centre tomorrow could be ugly. Uh, I, I actually just think Djokovic is going to dismantle him pretty quickly. I, I'd be quite surprised if Anderson gets more than about... 12 games even with the, the big serve he has. Um, uh, okay, well, in which case, what about Katie Bolter, Arena Sabalenka? Any more chance? Um, Sabalenka, two and two, I think. Bolter carrying an injury, so I'm expecting that one to be pretty quick as well. All of which should bring up Andy Murray rather quickly. Uh, five sets, pushing the curfew again. We'll see you here again at the 11 past 10 tomorrow night. Good, well, I didn't like sleeping anyway. <laughs> Not too much of a problem. Um, yeah, Andy Murray taking on Germany's Oscar Otter, who I spent the last couple of hours trying to find interesting things about. The most interesting thing I can find, and George doesn't think it's interesting, but I do, is that he named as his heroes Roger Federer and one-time England test cricketer Mark Benson, now celebrated umpire. The reason being that his sister Louisa is marrying Mark Benson's son. And uh, he says he's read about his career, he doesn't really understand cricket, but he really respects Mark Benson for what he's done. So, uh, yeah, if, if ever there were a weird link... Uh, he's also got some football to get some revenge for. He also uh, admitted to being very tearful at Andy Murray's documentary. I mean, yeah. Being who, very inspired. Who by... didn't cry at resurfacing? Um, are there any other matches you want to look at for tomorrow, George? Um, I Ali... mean, obviously, the Kyrgios Umber uh, finish was three all, three all in the fifth, of yeah. course. I mean, I'm looking forward to that, obviously. Um, Little upset, I reckon. Alison van Oetvank against Alina Svitolina. Yep. Well, we saw Van Oetvank take out uh, Muguruza uh, when she was defending champion a few years ago. So, big serve, got a lot about her. Um, that should be good. Uh, 
Yeah, I think Brody. Uh, Brody, I'd give a chance to. Right, okay. um, I'm looking forward to watching Felix Orgrelles' team just because I like watching finally. it. Yeah, he was supposed to be on today. He's playing Thiago Montero. Uh, the only other thing I really wanted to say was uh, not look forward to tomorrow, but oh. well, then Fran Jones today as well. I thought she put in a really good performance against Coco Golf. Um, yeah, she was seven, to be five, fair, six, hugely outmatched. I mean, she, you know, Coco is a much better player. Seven five six four is a pretty good score for someone making their main draw debut against someone. I actually think we now should be looking at as a, a pretty hefty favourite to go onto the course as minimum. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to, to have to say too much when half the, half the field hasn't played. But yes, you're right. It's pretty much open to almost anyone at this point. Just like Southfield Stations is, which is where we've arrived. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Hopefully, hopefully a bit earlier. I, that would be nice. I've got, but the weather might kill us. Because as much as we might get Andy Murray done early, the weather's bad. <laughs> They'll throw three matches on centre and we're here at 11 o'clock again. Looking forward to it. Sports Social Podcast Network.